<laughs> and it's the same with it's the same with wages. You know, later in life, a wage is an explicit acknowledgement that what you're doing is not sufficiently rewarding on its own. And by the way, no, I still do want the cash. <laughs> but that brings up an important thing. So when I was in college, I worked at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA. I got this habit of asking people if they like their jobs, and about 90% of the people I ask say no. And what does that mean when the vast majority of the people spend the vast majority of their waking hours doing stuff they don't want to do? And what does that mean? Remember, you know, I would see my dogs lying asleep, and then I would go to work. And then I would come back, and they would be lying there asleep. So usually, civilized human beings consider that the, the entire reason for existence on the planet is, has been to, to make civilized men, civilized white men, civilized white men like me. I'm, I'm, I'm the reason for evolution. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it seems kind of stupid when, when, you know, wait a second, I'm going to work a job I don't like, and this dog is lying here doing nothing all day long. And this is going to totally date me, but... A really important song to me when I was a teenager was Bachman Turner Overdrives, Taking Care of Business. Um, and, and it goes like this. I'm not going to actually sing. But it's, okay, okay. Um, you get up every morning from your alarm clock's warning, take the 815 into the city. There's a whistle up above and people pushing, people shoving, and a girl while trying to look pretty. If your train's on time, you can get to work by nine, start your slaving job and get your pay. But if you ever get annoyed, look at me, I'm self-employed, I'll have to work at nothing all day. That was like the beginning of the end for me. You know, this was, this, was, this was evil rock and roll taking over my brain and turning me into not a good citizen. So, you know, years later, I'm sitting there at Noah, and my bosses would often call in sick, and then they would show up anyway because they wanted to see the experiments. They were so excited. I used to call in sick with a nice day. I was like, oh, God, I'm sick of work. And so one day I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the clock, and the clock is going... <laughs> it's like five after two. And I look outside, it's a beautiful day. And there's this with the sky, you know, bright blue, and there's, there's thunder clouds off in the distance. And I my work until about 4 30, 4 45, and then I look at the clock and it's 2 15. And, and I go, God, I just wish, I wish it was five o'clock. And suddenly I realized, oh my god, I'm wishing away the only thing I've got. Eight hours, 80 years, am I going to wish away my time until I'm retired? And then I can, you know, the day I retire, I'll get hit by a truck? And I remember looking at my fingers, and I remember thinking, there's really no difference between selling fingers and selling hours, because I can't see the hours, but they're, but they're all I've got. And when they're gone, they're gone for good. I've only got so many hours in my life. And I've only got so many fingers. It's like, here, you know, this is a little great little finger, so you can have this one for $5. You know, and here's a bigger finger, so you can have this one for seven. And frankly, bosses, you can have this one for free. Um, <laughs> um, um, so I sold 41 of my fingers, and then I, I quit work and became a beekeeper, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, so yeah, I mean, there's this presumption. Like, where do we get the idea that working a job that you don't like is normal? What a weird thing. So anyway, back to school. Underlying tests, as given in school, are the presumptions, not only that correct answers to specific questions exist, which is a huge presumption, but that these answers are known to authority figures and can be found in books. What a weird concept. Tests also generally discourage communal problem solving, which is called cheap. <laughs> Thank you for that. You know, I've been telling this joke all over the country. It's my favorite joke in the whole book. My friends don't even laugh at it. <laughs> 
<laughs> nobody in the whole country is laughing at so I, I mean, it's, it's a pretty small laugh, but thank you. <laughs> Equally important is the presumption that the primary purpose of school is to deliver information to students. Never ask as a question of how this information makes us better people, better kissers for that matter. Systematically, inherent in the process, direct personal experience is subsumed to external authority, and every turn creativity, critical thought, and the questioning of fundamental assumptions, such as, for example, the role of school in our socialization, are discouraged. Oh, and here's another thing. Okay, um, maybe five years ago, there was about 69 Yanomami Indians who were machine gunned by some miners down in Venezuela. And all the newspaper accounts I read of, of the massacre said that the Yanomami couldn't give an accurate number of dead because they can't count past two. And all the newspaper articles made it seem like they're really stupid because little kids can count this And that belief that they're subhuman could possibly account for the fact that the eventually apprehended mass murderers were sentenced to six months in jail. But I was really thinking about this, and I was, I was sitting there one day, looking at my fingers, which probably also says a lot more about my social life than I want to. And I suddenly realized, if I hold up this finger and I hold up this finger, am I holding up two fingers? No. I'm holding up this finger, which has the remnants of this tiny wart on the back, and I'm also holding up this finger, which about a year ago had this huge, ugly, disgusting wart right here, which is, you know, thank you very much for sharing that with me. But the point is that counting presumes identity. It presumes that the things to be counted are identical. It's like, well, you know what, there are bits of counseling and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> but, it's like a friend of mine said, that counting is a coarse filter. And one of the things that's lost is history. For example, this finger had a relatively non-exciting last year. This one, with the whole wart thing, it had some excitement, I gotta tell you. But I had the big wart, and then I asked my mom what I should do about it, and she said, take some aspirin and put aspirin on it. And so since, like I said, I don't have much of a social life, I put aspirin, I wrapped it like athletic tape around my fingers, and I just kept it there for a couple days. And I took it off, I went to my mom's house, and she's got this parrot. Whenever I go over to her house, I always love the parrot out, and he you know, gets on my shoulders and poops and everything, and then he comes down, and he picks, and he picks at the wart, and it's gone. And it's the coolest thing, I'm going to write to Halloween. <laughs> so what you do, if you get a wart, you should get some aspirin, and you get a parrot, and it's gone. But the real, the real deal is, that the real point of the story is that it's a lot, well, okay, let's pretend now that somebody bursts in from back over there, they got a machine gun, they spray the room, and they kill six people. So, you know, tomorrow in the newspaper, it says, last night there were six people machine gunned to death at this really amazing talk. <laughs> they go on about the talk for, you know, three or four or five paragraphs, and they're like sentenced to about the people who are killed. Okay, but the, but the point is that suddenly it makes a big difference whether it's these six people, these six people, these six people. I'm, you know, I'm not even going to include myself in this demonstration. The real point is it's a lot easier to kill a number than it is an individual. At a lot of the death camps, they would have contests in which a preset number of winners would live and a preset number of losers would die. Suddenly it makes a big difference whether you're number 69 or 71. And the real point is, like I said, it's easier to kill a number than an individual. And that's true whether we're talking about collateral damage or whether we're talking about tons of fish or thousands of board feet of timber or box cars of one dimension. But you know, I never learned that in school. They didn't teach me that. They just taught me how to find a cougar at 27. Anyway, if you don't believe me that, that direct experience is subsumed to external authority, pretend for a moment, those of you who are out of school, pretend for a moment you're back in school. 
and I, I mean, I don't want to comment all the way. <laughs> oh, am I the only person who still has those dreams of it's the last week of class, and you haven't been, it's, you've got your final tomorrow, and you've never been to class? <laughs> I still have those dreams. It's been 20 years. It's, so i got to tell you, you, those of you who are in school, they're not going to go away. <laughs> okay, pretend that you have before you one final test for one final required class. Okay? Pretend further that if you fail this test, you fail the class. Well, you may have enjoyed the process of schooling. You may even have enjoyed this class. You enjoyed neither enough to repeat it. Pretend the test consists of one essay question, and pretend you know the instructor well enough to understand that if you mimic the instructor's opinion, you get a higher grade. I know it's a stretch, but... <laughs> if you disagree with the instructor, pretend finally that you do, you'll be held to a higher standard of proof. So what do you do? Do you speak your mind? Do you write from your heart? Do you write the best damn essay the school's ever seen and come back next year? Or do you uh, join with millions of students who daily face this dilemma and astutely bullshit their way through and only see students with credit? It could be argued that I'm missing a point. But the product of the years of homework and papers and tests are not the physical artifacts, nor the grades, nor the bits of information, but instead the graduates themselves. But that's my point exactly. And we have to ask ourselves what sort of a product is that and what sort of process. A primary purpose of school, and this is true for our culture, science, and religion as well, is to lead us away from our own experience. The process of schooling doesn't give birth to human beings, as education should but never will so long as it springs from the collective consciousness of our culture. But instead, it teaches us to value abstract rewards at the expense of our economy, curiosity, interior lives, and time. This lesson is crucial to individual economic success. I love part of my students who say, but I've got to make a living. To the perpetuation of our economic system, what if all those who hated their jobs quit? Through the process of schooling, each fresh child is attenuated, muted, molded, made like aluminum, malleable yet durable, and so prepared to compete with society and ultimately to lead the society where it so obviously is headed. Schooling as it presently exists, like science before it and religion before that, is necessary for the continuation of our culture and the spawning of a new species of human, ever more submissive to authority, ever more pliant, prepared by 13 years of sitting and receiving, sitting and regurgitating, sitting and waiting for the end, prepared for the rest of their lives to toil, to propagate, to never make waves, and to live each day with never an original thought, not even a shred of hope. And not all the book is that great. Um, some of it's actually burn on. 